And now we're back for the second half of the podcast with the Medusa's story, uh, conspiracy theory on Anne H. This is something you do not want to miss. Um, we wanted to divide this podcast in two. We made it yesterday, so you will now hear the second half of a, of this. Let us know if you like it when we break the longer pat podcasts up. What your optimum listening listening time is? You probably can't take too much of us. So we want to be very respectful of your time and your ears. And with that, we will proceed with the second half of yesterday's podcast. And no matter how much they whack a mole Epstein, he keeps turning up. And now he turns up in Anne Hage. Yeah. Maybe. So this is from Daisy Moses that I mentioned. And it's called Anne Hage's death may be a cover up. A crackpot theory, of course. Wink. And so she basically pretends that this is fiction to kind of cover herself, (laughs) I think. Yes, but if you were Spectrum or have Asperger's, she's basically writing satire to tell you something that she thinks with no actual verification or whatever makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I've been in Hollywood. I've been around Hollywood. I've known some of the scumbags. I've known stories vicariously through other scumbags and things like that. Um, It's... It's not impossible. I wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't rule it out. So she says, days ago, I started out thinking something was not right with Anne Heche's official story and all its moving parts. So I sent a couple of links to Mark Crispin Miller, whose work I admire greatly and who has been diligently covering suspicious vaccidents for many a month. Seeing a potential story here too, he kindly suggested I do a write-up, and well, golly, I did. It sure came out longer than I predicted, but here you go, a trip down one giant rabbit hole. Disclaimer, this is a complete work of fiction using names of known public figures. Um, let's see, then she says, Given the huge spate of vaccidents with people driving at warp speed trademark into buildings, embankments, subway poles, cafes, and plowing down scores of people leaving blood, destruction, a running body count, not to mention much normalizing by the mainstream media, attributing such events to anything from loud noises to spicy pizza, it seems that Anne Heche's recent accident crashing into a private home at 90 miles per hour was just business as usual. To us skeptics, it was likely one more accident covered up by the press, and to the press, it was just a regretful misfortune to be attributed to ABTJ, anything but the jabs. I just wanted to pause and say you have such a nice reading voice. You could have been like a newscaster. <laughs> oh, thank you. Don't I have to like talk a little bit lower? Because they all sound all like low voiced and smart. No, I think you're the busy on the street reporter. Okay. <laughs> Getting doing the hard hitting stuff while all the phonies sit in the the studio and have their hair done. Actually, you're the one out there at four thirty in the morning in the gloves. There's someone I love right now that's like that, and she totally has. Is it me? No, <laughs> like not a low voice. Oh, okay. Savannah Hernandez. Remember, like, she does that on-the-ground stuff. She gets right in there in the protests and stuff, and she's very brave. But she has a very feminine voice, a very girly voice. But she's, she's brave. I like her. She does some good stuff. Anyway, back to it. As we know, many Hollywood folk have rolled up... Actually, she says folks. I misread that. That sounded stupid. As we know, many Hollywood folks have rolled up their sleeves as they all tweet about it ad nauseum. So perhaps that was all there was to see. But like Peggy Lee, speaking of things going up in flames, Daisy here does not think that is remotely all there is to this story, so let's keep dancing a bit around some ideas. 
both skeptics and the mainstream media of the moon move right along, nothing to see here, we got it covered, non-coverage, may be missing something big, and it relates to Haish's knowledge of and potential exposure of Hollywood's own Chamber of Horrors, that world of superstar Satanists selling their souls, perhaps literally, to engage in pedophilia, child trafficking, and the cursed compromises that constitute celebrity-driven cinema today. There are a lot of dots here, so I'm going to do some connecting. Mainstream media first blamed Haish's crazy driving on booze due to a red-capped bottle, quote, seen in the car. Vodka? And a semi-tipsy radio broadcast recorded a few days prior, originally and mistakenly thought to have been made that same day. However, official police reports announced that alcohol was ruled out, not detected in the blood test. See link below. Ultimately, they blamed it on cocaine. This, too, doesn't add up. See more on that in a second. The biggest gotcha. Cocaine's all like, man, I get blamed for everything. Cocaine didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> cocaine just love you. Why you got to blame everything on cocaine? <laughs> oh, my gosh. The biggest gotcha is from this screenshot below, taken from an otherwise standard Yahoo News story, which reads, One of Heisha's latest projects, the Lifetime movie Girl in Room 13, is still scheduled to air in September, producers said during a virtual panel for the Television Critics Association Thursday deadline reports. In the film, Heisha plays the mother of a human trafficking victim. This project is important to Anne and to every one of us. Amy Winter, Lifetime's executive vice president and head of programming, told the critics group, according to Hollywood Reporter, We all sought to make a film to shed light on this important issue, Elizabeth Rome, the movie's director, said. Heche's performance is phenomenal. So, should we not all be asking ourselves, did she, Heche, know too much? Was she taken out? Knowing too much, and actors do do a lot of in-depth homework for roles, could drive one to drink or drugs, of course. Perhaps this was so, but the actress had a solid, recent, and decent reputation as a reliable radio show co-host and as a busy performer who had just completed a number of successful projects in the plural, nothing on the police blotter of recent vintage. Reports clearly tried to sully her reputation to justify the druggy has accident narrative in making reference to a troubled, distant, dating back to the 1990s, past of substance abuse and a profoundly dysfunctional childhood all the while avoiding her current reliable work behavior. However, characterizing her in this way without qualification seemed to me quite disingenuous, while conveniently leading the trail away from the far more disturbing child trafficking story in which she was both professionally and personally invested in exposing via her latest film project. What did she know? What did Heche learn in researching her role? Likely lots, given her longtime connections in the industry. Was she a loose cannon? about to fire and spill the beans some people cannot stay silent once they see the truth let me jump in here real quick because i was doing a little bit of research on Anne Heche just like you do and um Anne Heche has a very interesting rise to stardom and i think that's kind of why i look at things because when i was studying acting and things like that i would always read biographies and try to find out like you know what are the common themes what 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 worked for people what what didn't work blah 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 so Anne Heche has this really hard childhood uh and there's some there's some mystery there her dad may or may not have been gay um moved around a lot stuff like that they're really poor she gets a job in a local theater and um she does really good this is like 14 and 
suddenly she gets this offer for what's called the quote-unquote progressive school in Chicago. Now, someone like Catherine Austin Fitz, and this is just a good maybe shout-out point here, she would tell you, if you have children, be very leery of scouts. Be very leery of community centers. Be very leery of people who offer your kids sort of golden tickets to things and stuff like that. What she was saying um, is that a lot of the community centers, a lot of the testing Catherine Austin Fitz was saying, are used by this sort of cabal to scout for victims. They're looking for the prettiest. They're looking for the talented. They're looking for people to use and manipulate. And they're looking for the people that they can disappear. They do that through a lot of sort of government-paid community programs, blah, blah, blah. That sounds weird and sketchy and paranoid and everything like that. But I think after the Franklin cover-up and many other things, I think it bears some sort of, at least for parents now, cautionary note um, you're not getting anything for free. If you're, as the old saying in business goes, um, if, if, if it's for free, then you're the product. And that's kind of what happens. So she's about 14. She gets this scholarship to the progressive school. And from there, she immediately gets catapulted onto a soap opera in New York. I can tell you as someone who has been through Hollywood, even read a lot of Hollywood biographies, known a lot of Hollywood actresses, boy, oh boy, that is the lottery. That doesn't happen that is not statistically reproducible. That is not a business plan. What that sounds like to me is someone who is being groomed and manipulated and led along. If anyone was ever trafficked, if anyone was ever used, it was probably Anne Heche. Look at her attitude. Look at her face. Look at the golden ticket. She was given right up through the ranks with, I mean, she's not, she's not, she's not a looker. Never was. At best, she's the, she's the mom to the cop. I mean, the, she's the she's the she's the dissatisfied housewife to the hero cop. That's the that's the role. But suddenly, after dating what this article calls adrenochrome uh, Ellen Ellen adrenochrome Ellen, she gets catapulted into movies with Sylvester Stallone. Harrison no, Harrison Ford. Ford. Not not Sylvester Stallone. Harrison Ford. I mean, right to the top of the mark from nowhere. So those those are things worth considering that. Uh, when this article says, like, she might have had some knowledge of this, uh, mine is survey says ding, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then the, this next part, I was like, what? Because I didn't know this, but many of us are fully aware that Helena Hutchins, executed by Alec Baldwin in an onset gun, quote, accident, was pre- uh, reputed to be in the process of directing and producing a film on child trafficking in Hollywood. I was like, whoa, I did not know Have that. Have you ever That's seen the, the photos after Alec Baldwin shoots her? Of him? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like him standing on the street looking all like... Yeah, and there's like, there's even upset, one where he gets down and cries or something. Oh. It's almost Ocasio-Cortez at the parking lot where there's supposed to be children uh, caged, but it's just an empty parking lot, and she's holding on to the fence. Yeah. And it's, it's convenient Alec Baldwin, a known rageaholic, mm-hmm. allows him to be photographed just moments after he's killed somebody. Right. I just freaked out. Alec Baldwin's black Irish. I'm black Irish. I just freaked out on an Uber driver for parking behind my car. That guy fled from me. I doubt Alec Baldwin was going to stand there and uh, allow himself it's true. to be photographed acting. 
Yeah, he would have like no, torn he, that camera he, from their hand. He did. I remember when someone it. tried to photograph his kid. I remember that you know? too. No, that's because he was acting. Maybe. It's worth considering now when you figure out that the chick he shot was making a documentary on tri- child trafficking. And guess whose name is on the Epstein flight logs? You Alec just looked Baldwin. it up. Alec Baldwin's name yeah. is on the Epstein flight logs. Yeah, exactly. Was Hutchins' hit related to this other project in the works? Any dots to connect? Was Haish's work on the same subject a little too probing? Was her high-speed hit purely coincidental? Look at the photo at the top of this post with Haish and her latest co-star. This was her other big recent project, now in post-production. It's her with Alec Baldwin, by the way. Nothing to see here. Just move on, folks. Anne's own deeply traumatic childhood, having been regularly molested for years by her own preacher father, quotes preacher, naturally would make this new film project dear and important to her. Also, she was a mother of two and a loving one, from all I gathered. Given her own related experience, it's very possible she was going to speak out, and a lady with a radio show has a built-in forum in which to do so. An accident from the bag of special effects, spook tricks, would of course stop that. The film director, film's director reported that Haisha's performance was phenomenal, not an adjective you'd use to describe an actor with unprofessional, unreliable, drug-addled behavior or a lack of commitment to a project. Showing up sober and on time daily to early call on set for a long shoot, this was not a bit part or a one-day small cameo, she was the star, is demanding. Nobody reported flaky behavior on this production or on any other of her recent projects. Yes, four days prior to her death, there was one drunken radio show episode, which is concerning. At the link below, she's quoted blaming unspecified events for causing her to suffer no good, very bad days. Hmm. Perhaps she could not specify. Too risky? Apart from that one broadcast, however, it appears she was not reputed to be either a drunk or a cokehead. It seems she was normally fine on her weekly radio show, too, until something unspecified changed and seemed to dog her. It appears that the one outlier boozy on-air moment was attributable to a liquor called re colon find proffered by quote friends some friends oi re find hmm like the finders <laughs> or as that's, in that's a reach but it's funny it is funny or as in re dash find I don't really know what she means by that one um, what's buried or lost at your peril. Yeah, refined what's well, buried in the Well, the finders is a, is a cabal Parent. or a cult of children, uh, of, of perverts that try to find children. Yeah. That's their whole mission. And if you think that's just made up or whatever, go back and listen to the stuff where two cops roll up on a group of children playing in a park at 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And none of them are with the two guys. Uh, none of them are the children of the two guys in reservoir dog suits watching them play. Yeah. Yeah, gotta wonder, she says. The liquor company may have been innocent, but perhaps the friends were signifying with such a gift. Not very refined, indeed. The name seems like something a Fran Drescher character might invent. And what about these so-called friends who sent such a gift? I recall when Isaac Cappy was devastated to learn even his closest, quote, friends had betrayed him. Did Haitia's friends do the same? Maybe very bad days came due to learning of such a betrayal after she had confided to them. Below, her statement from the same above-linked New York Post press reader article contains some very odd info. It reads, Sometimes days just suck, she said without elaborating. I'm rocked. I am rocked. 
She later complained about being interrupted while trying to meditate, as well as moving from her apartment in the same building where Johnny Depp had shared a residence with ex-wife Amber Heard. What caught my attention was her mentioning she was rocked. I think this means her foundation was rocked, shaken, unmoored by something devastating. Not rock and roll or the bosom of Abraham type rockin'. And by both her attempts to meditate, maybe to find clarity, if something was messing with her mind, remotely per perhaps, or was confounding her beliefs, and her moving from her former apartment, dislocation, which oddly was in the same building where Johnny Depp, her former Donnie Brasco co-star, had lived with Amber Heard. Quite a few clues there. Mind y'all, I like Depp as an actor plenty, but I worry about some of his own, quote, friends, including bizarro accused satanic enslaver abuser Marilyn Manson and freed from prison practicing Satanist alleged child pedo murderer Damien Eccles, not to mention the actor's personal connection pre and post Viper Room with the deep dark world of Hollyweird pedo land for what it's worth. I see him as a victim as well as a dark agent of sorts. You know, it's weird. There were always a lot of weird things about the Viper Room and everything like that. But the one of the weirdest things that I would tell you is um, Johnny Depp is a no one, nobody sort of fringe actor. Uh, um, the night that River Phoenix dies, uh, River Phoenix, on the other hand, is is was probably going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Phoenix dies of a drug overdose outside the Viper Room. And Johnny Depp, you can almost look at it, goes goes on to pick up a lot of the roles that would have gone to River Phoenix and have the career that River Phoenix probably would have had. Wow. That is weird. So as, as Columbo would say, um, if you want to find the murderer, look at who profits from the murder. Mm. Was Haish moving out to get away from a scary or toxic building set up to traffic kids via crawl spaces and tunnels, etc., or to host Satanists or gang stock canaries who might otherwise sing? Was it like the Dakota? I just do not know. It's weird, as I said. A wired-up building set up for gang stalking. Sure, you might want to move out. And re-Depp, as young persons, it's said around the web that Depp and River Phoenix and Ryder and Reeves, a sort of brat pack, all once very pretty youths, were all passed around in Tinseltown, too. I heard they had no choice. Both Ryder and Depp have been captured, looking dazed and possibly glitching. The plot thickens. So the atypical bad days came oddly after a banner comeback year with two starring roles. Normally that would mean good days, no? Most meaningfully, there was a star turn in a movie about child trafficking. This was followed by another lead role in a film featuring the guy who shot dead, a lady who was about to make her own feature exposing child trafficking. No dots to connect yet? So this recently tormented actress, tormented for reasons unspecified, drives head-on into a building at 90 miles per hour, just four days after having an outlier drunk radio episode mentioning she was trying to meditate or think while moving out of a building in which lived a friend with known pedo-satanistic connections. Let's let that all sink in. Nothing to see here, folks. Move right along. The odd tipsy radio broadcast seemed to be very atypical behavior for her, and given that she claimed she was having a very bad day that day, I wonder... Had she gotten a scary call or threat that day, four days before her death, making her need a drink? Isaac Cappy reported getting calls and escalating warnings before he was taken out. Friends who were not friends? 
Have we here not a drunk or drug addict, but rather another brave Hollywood whistleblower, spilling the beans on the Tinseltown pedo rings, loosening those lips around town where word gets around fast, while possibly being targeted? Some say Bourdain similarly was just about to squawk. They painted him with the druggy brush too. He got the red scarf, not the red wig. Bourdain had it out big time for Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, predictive programming grooms just as often as it reveals. So I'm not suggesting that the girl in Room 13 film to be released in September was going to reveal all that much, just getting folks used to the idea of child trafficking. But again, actors do their homework diligently if the role is very meaningful to them, as this role would have been to Haish, who had been out of the limelight for some time and to whom this story would have been personally significant. So it's not so much what would be shown in the movie, which clearly will draw a lot of curious morbid attention upon its release, but rather what she learned in preparing for it and making it. My guess, just a crazy notion from an admitted crackpot here. Oh, and though it was written that she and former wife Ellen the Generous were no longer in touch, more than one conspiracy site claims Ellen has a penchant for adrenochrome and thus would be a baby's R.S. shopper. Of course, this is rank hearsay. Don't quote me on this, friends. However, if that assertion were validated, would not such knowledge be traumatic for Anne in and of itself as a newly enlightened ex-mate? Think about it. It's sort of like learning that for years under your nose, unbeknownst to you, your beloved ex was a serial killer or a cannibal or a spy or perhaps keeping a gaggle of girls or boys in the basement. I've heard of such stories. And sometimes there is great shock on the part of the former spouse or significant other upon learning the truth. Could this have been something she caught wind of while preparing for her role in the child trafficking film? If you know how adrenochrome is made, this is enough to shock the wits out of someone. I wax morbid here, but there are loose ends flapping in the breeze and they bug me. Was she taken out? It's been done before. How'd they do it? Well... There's voice-to-skull messaging, gang-stalking EMF 5G torture, and burning sensation, poison on the steering wheel, or perhaps there was some wired or remote car fiddling that caused her to crash into her garage door before taking off in the first place and then zoom full throttle at 90 miles per hour. Using vehicle-based mayhem to take out whistleblowers has a long and sordid history. Michael Hastings, anyone? Some say James Dean himself was about to blow the whistle on how he and Natalie Wood and Sal Mineo were passed around among the Hollywood bigwigs. He was told not to get in the car that fateful day. See, I never knew that was even like a a theory out there. Yeah, the funny thing, well, I mean, if anyone was getting trafficked, it was Dean. Natalie Wood was definitely trafficked. Um, Sal, Sal Mineo was a oh, homosexual. <laughs> I didn't know how to say it. Mineo was a, was a homosexual <laughs> Who ends up getting rando murdered? Really? Um, and very rando. In fact, you can uh, El- El- Elroy Leonard before he died. Um, Elmore, Elmore Leonard, the guy who wrote Justified, I think it was. Uh, before he died, he went through all the files and wrote this very. Um, maybe it's not Elmore Leonard. It's the guy who wrote. Um, it's the guy who wrote the Russell Crowe movie, *L.A. Confidential*. And he he goes into my clothing store, or he used to, oh. and they'd always tell me he'd come in, and I'm the other writer that goes in there. <laughs> and um, uh, he um, he went through all the boxes because his mom had been murdered. James Elroy. James Elroy, and his mom had been murdered, and he liked going through crime boxes, and he basically put together that it was this guy, um, 
this sort of like low-level repeat offender just robbing people on Sunset Boulevard. Um, but I'm always suspicious when Hollywood comes in and cleans up something with a very neat ending and everything like that. Um, I wouldn't be normally suspicious about Salminio, except for the fact that uh, James Dean, all three stars of that movie all die violently. Mm-hmm. James and Dean in the crash. The James Dean stuff is very obscured because they lead you to believe that he was out rocketing down a road at five o'clock in the morning trying to get to Napa to be in a race. And it really turns out it was 4.30 in the afternoon. Did you know there was another driver in the car with him? Mm. Uh, the, the the road was actually quite crowded. You can see photographs of Dean just 45 minutes before the accident occurs. Stuff like that. Um, you're always. I was always led to believe the accident was one way. And it was another way. And yeah, it could have been car fiddling and everything like that, for sure. Wow. Anyway, it's possible to take over a car and direct it remotely as well if it's a relatively newer model, post-early 2000s. So a Mini Cooper, Anne's car, fits snugly into that That's for sure. Our car has been glitching constantly. The the navigation system turns on and off. Not at random places. It always seems to happen in one particular place. By the place that we think there's a dumb by our house. Dumb, deep <laughs> Every under, time, though. underground military base. <laughs> if she was injected, and likely she was, it would have made it easier for the so-called Luciferian puppeteers to direct her self-destructive behavior via either the 5G or directed energy connection to the self-assembling radio particles within her head. Lovely, ain't it? Or even via her cell phone, which can emit killer shocks and more. In that sense, it was indeed part vaccinant. Is this woo enough for you for yet enough yet for you? I'm on pins and needles. (laughs) Fiction, folks, folks, pure fiction. All the above is possible regardless of the post-accident blood tests showing cocaine use. But I have a few more thoughts on that too. First, let's take a look at this passage. A test of blood drawn from Hayes at the hospital showed cocaine in her system. Los Angeles Police Department sources told the news outlet. The blood also tested positive for fentanyl, a strong pain reliever but that is sometimes administered at hospitals, so it's unclear if Hayes had consumed it before the crash. She was not under the influence of alcohol, the police sources said. Even though coke was ruled in and booze was ruled out in the same article linked above, you can totally inject cocaine into a person's blood, no sniffing needed, or just lie about it. Read up on Hollywood Coroner to the Stars fabricator-in-chief Thomas Noguchi if you don't believe me. From all I know of the music world, I would also say... No way cocaine alone would cause someone to go 90 miles per hour and crash into a building. It may make you hyper or even agitated, but it's not a hallucinogen, and it doesn't mess up your motor skills that much. If that was the case, half the rockers in the Western Hemisphere would have had such a a fate befall them. Keith Richards is living proof. Well, he's part mummy, but still. Per the article, the fentanyl might have actually been delivered by the hospital, and my addition might have been the final nail in her coffin, as I seriously doubt she had a fentanyl addiction. You can't possibly even remember your lines on that stuff. Did someone in Hollywood thoughtfully direct her hospital protocols? Was the whole thing a Hollywood production? I.e., from the torment to the wig buy, which I guess she bought a wig right before the accident, to the vaccinant to the post-mortem. If she did have jab-related... one thing I would say. Um, there's two things that happen in the immediate aftermath of the accident. One, she, when someone crawls into the wreckage, they say to her... Are you okay? And she says... No, I'm not. 
Okay, so she coherently answered a question. If you've seen people on fentanyl, and you probably have, let me point them out to you. They're bent over, sometimes at the waist, staring at the ground. They're just gone. Yeah, completely. So and I don't think she would have been racing at 70 miles an hour. 90. 90 miles around, several times around her neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That sounds like somebody who couldn't turn off the accelerator and was doing their best to try to control the car. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then answers a question. The second thing is if you watch the paramedics taking her to the ambulance, she flings herself up and tries to get out of the restraints. Yes. Yeah, that was so, really So, I mean, crazy. I'm not thinking fentanyl there. Right. If she did have jab-related heart injuries already, remember heart damage was the claimed cause of her death and coma, then fentanyl could have indeed done her in, or as we say, finished the job, as it suppresses both heart and lung function. Maybe she wasn't supposed to survive the crash, and for a time, she was awake and alert post-crash, so they had to do a little more to help her along. Uh, All the first stories I read stated she was initially expected to live, like TMZ, where they said she was hooked up to breathing machines and in critical condition at the hospital, but was expected to live. After three days, those initial expected-to-live stories were globally replaced with not-expected-to-live headlines. Why? Hmm, a little fentanyl and a drip. Plus, I believe she was on a ventilator, too. Handy COVID tool for the new Grim Reapers in white. Was this so she wouldn't sing as canaries often do if they survive? It's an old Hollywood plot point, for sure, if so. And just, this says 20 minutes before her death, but I think they mean 20 min- 21 minutes before her accident. She was totally sober and shopping for a red wig. Friends, she was in a store buying a silly wig and taking selfies and was totally coherent and not drunk, let alone tripping on opioids. The official story makes even less sense reading the interview with the store owner. Here's the quote. She was polite, cordial, and engaging, and she was coherent, insisted Glass. It was extremely pleasant. She was a delight, he said. Asked if he spotted any signs of her being drunk or on drugs, he insisted firmly, not at all guess that wasn't in the script oops what was that wig all about why bright devil red i also think the dead wig head she poses with see the photo below is a tad creepy in this context and it's odd she doesn't put the thing on for the picture instead we get two ands the future Anne as a bloody redhead poses with the current yet living one or did they hope she'd wear it out of the store and die in it as part of the ritual was this a ritual takeout If so, it may have been called irrespective of whistleblowing threats. Inquiring minds want to know. Anyway, I'm calling foul to this high on cocaine right off by the MSM. There is way more to this fictional wink, wink story. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, wait. I had mentioned, let's see, she says postscript. I had mentioned the initial published prognosis that she would live thanks to a comment I saw about existing video footage of her being alert. I found it and discovered that she was speaking to firefighters right after they cut her free. So Yeah, so that's what we talked about. Yeah. All right. That's for your consideration. That's what we do here. We go to the wild places. We talk about them. We discuss them because I do think we are in that Sherlock Holmesian period when... The possible doesn't explain things, and so we have to consider the impossible. Why? Because I think this is for your very survival. And that's the podcast.